God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And we're going to get right to, uh, you know, um, Ron Johnson uh, was uh, conducting a hearing. He was the chairman of a hearing yesterday. And it was on Capitol Hill. It was an oversight committee. And he was talking about voter integrity. And it seems like this has become a partisan issue voter integrity and uh, there's more and more spotlight looking into Hunter now there's more and more spotlight looking into the uh, Russian hoax uh, that Durham is still uh, doing his thing and you wonder how all this is going to work out um, but the fight's not over yet the fight isn't over and I want to play a few clips uh, one uh, from Josh Hawley I want to play that clip from the committee hearing. And then I also want to uh, play uh, another one, too. It, uh, basically, this is going to be from uh, the, the attorney out in Nevada. And he's going to lay out uh, why it is that there's not been that much progress. He, he blames the courts for not allowing him to be heard. Uh, but we're going to first listen to uh, Josh Hawley. And then we're going to get into... Um, uh, a lot of other uh, tidbits and issues. So just uh, here we go. From the constituents back at home, group of about 30 people, every single one of them, every one of them told me that they felt they had been disenfranchised, that their votes didn't matter, that the election had been rigged. These are normal, reasonable people. These are not crazy people. These are reasonable people and who, by the way, have been involved in politics. They've won. They've lost. They, they've seen it all. These are normal folks living normal lives who firmly believe that they have been disenfranchised. And to listen to the mainstream press and quite a few voices in this building tell them after four years of nonstop Russia hoax, it was a hoax. It was based on the whole Russia nonsense was based on, we now know, 
lies from a Russian spy. The Steele dossier was based on a Russian spy. After four years of that, being told that this, that the last election was fake and that Donald Trump wasn't really elected and that Russia intervened, after four years of that, now these same people are told, you just sit down and shut up. If you have any concerns about election integrity, you're a nutcase. You should shut up. Well, I tell you what, 74 million Americans are not going to shut up and telling them that their views don't matter and that their concerns don't matter and they should just be quiet is not a recipe for success in this country. It's not a recipe for the unity that I hear now the other side is suddenly so interested in after years, years of trying to delegitimize President Donald Trump. So suffice it to say, I'm not too keen on lectures about how Missourians and others who voted for President Trump and now have some concerns about fraud, about integrity, about compliance with the law, should just be quiet and that they are somehow not patriotic if they raise these questions. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. So, <laughs> Maria Bartiroma uh, mentioned this. Uh, she she basically said this. Uh, this is going to blow your this is going to blow your mind. Okay, she said this. Boom. Maria Bartiroma, Intel source, told me Trump did in fact win the election. It's up to the Supreme Court to take the cases and stop the clock. So let's take a listen to Maria Bartiroma. An Intel source telling me that President Trump did in fact win the election. He says that it is up to the Supreme Court to hear suits from other cases across the country to stop the clock. This follows the high court's refusal to hear the lawsuit from Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton challenging results in four swing states. Let's listen to that one more time. An Intel source telling me that President Trump did, in fact, win the election. He says that it is up to the Supreme Court to hear suits from other cases across the country to stop the clock. This follows the high court's refusal to hear the lawsuit from Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, challenging results in four swing states. That's a top-notch reporter. Maria Bartiromo has been around the block. She's been doing this business for the last 20, 30 years. She's got, she has great sources. Uh, they used to call her the money honey. She was uh, in touch with the top CEOs all throughout the banking industry. Um, she knows a thing or two about a thing or two. The people at the highest levels, Maria Bartiroma knows some of the richest people in the world. And she's has good, sound relationships with these people. And why is it important that you would have that? Because these richest people in the world are the donors to the puppets in Washington, D.C. And the sources that she has are legit and for real. So when an Intel source tells her Trump did, in fact, win the election, it's up to the Supreme Court to take the cases. Well, and then when Trump, I think, knows this, I, I think that Trump does have tricks up his sleeve and, you know, uh, an arsenal, arsenal of uh, of basically weapons to use at his disposal. Let's take a listen to the attorney out in Nevada, uh, attorney Jay Binnell, okay? So Jesse Binnell alleges over 42,000 people voted more than once. At least 1,500 people were dead. People are recorded as voting. More than 19,000 People voted even though they didn't uh, They didn't live in Nevada. Now, Nevada was separated by 
somewhere in the neighborhood of 10,000 votes. So it, it was a very narrow margin and smaller population. So although the numbers aren't as big as some other states, they're certainly enough to change the outcome of the election. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Peters, and members of the committee. This year, thousands upon thousands of Nevada voters had their voices canceled out by election fraud and invalid ballots. Here's how it happened. On August 3rd, 2020, after a rushed special session, Nevada legislators made drastic changes to the state's election law by adopting a bill known as AB4. The vulnerabilities of this statute were obvious. It provided for universal mail voting without sufficient safeguards to authenticate voters or ensure the fundamental requirement that only one ballot was sent to each legally qualified voter. This was aggravated by election officials' failure to clean known deficiencies in their voter rolls. Because of AB4, the number of mail ballots rocketed from about 70,000 in 2016 to over 690,000 this year. The election was inevitably riddled with fraud and our hotline never stopped ringing. While the media and Democrats accused us of making it all up, our team began chasing down every lead. Our evidence came both from data scientists and from brave whistleblowers. Here's what we found. Over 42,000, 42,000 people voted more than once. Our experts were able to make this determination by reviewing the list of actual voters and comparing it to other voters with the same name, address, and date of birth. This method was also able to catch people using different variations of their first name, such as William and Bill, and individuals who were registered both under a married name and a maiden name. At least 1,500 dead people are recorded as voting, as shown by comparing the list of male voters with the Social Security death records. More than 19,000 people voted even though they didn't live in Nevada. This does not include military voters or students. These voters were identified by comparing the list of voters with the U.S. Postal Service's National Change of Address database, among other sources. About 8,000 people voted from non-existent addresses. Here we cross-reference voters with the coding accuracy support system, which allowed our experts to identify undeliverable addresses. Over 15,000 votes were cast from commercial or vacant addresses. Our experts found these voters by analyzing official U.S. Postal Service records that flag non-residential addresses and addresses vacant for more than 90 days. Incredibly, almost 4,000 non-citizens also voted as determined by comparing official DMV records of non-citizens to the list of actual voters in the 2020 election. The list goes on. All in all, our experts identified 130,000 unique instances of voter fraud in Nevada. But the actual number is almost certainly higher. Our data scientists made these calculations not by estimations or statistical sampling, but by analyzing and comparing the list of actual voters with other lists, most of which are publicly available. To put it simply, they explained their methods so others could check their work. Our evidence has never been refuted, only ignored. 
two Clark County technical employees came forward completely independent of each other and explained that they discovered that the number of votes recorded by voting machines and stored on USB drives would change between the time the polls were closed at night and when they were reopened the next morning. In other words, votes were literally appearing and disappearing in the dead of night. When we attempted to verify the integrity of these voting machines, we were allowed only a useless visual inspection of the outside of a USB drive. We were denied a forensic examination. Finally, our investigation also uncovered a campaign to illegally incentivize votes from, mar from marginalized populations by requiring people to prove that they voted to receive raffle tickets for gift cards, televisions, and more. Our determined team verified these irregularities without any of the tools of law enforcement, such as grand jury, subpoenas, or FBI agents. Instead, we had less than a month to use critical thinking and elbow grease to compile our evidence. We tried to obtain testimony or documents from Clark County officials, but they obstructed and stonewalled. When we filed suit, state officials and even courts delayed proceedings for days, but then offered us merely hours uh, uh, to brief and argue our cases. In wrapping up, Mr. Chairman, these findings are disturbing, alarming, and un unacceptable in a free society. Our free and fair election tradition is a precious treasure that we are charged with protecting. Government by the consent of, of the governed is hard to win and easy to lose. Every single time a fraudulent or illegal vote is cast, the vote of an honest citizen is canceled out. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bernal. Our final witness is also here. That's the way it is. I mean, that is so true. And he couldn't have laid it out any better than that. He barely got <clears throat> to be heard. He was uh, speaking up in that hearing yesterday. That was uh, Jesse Bennett, uh, Bennell. And uh, he, uh, I remember watching the hearing uh, in Nevada. And they kicked it up to the Supreme Court. Uh, they're more, uh, the state Supreme Court, they're more than likely going to go up to the Supreme Court. So you have cases pending at the Supreme Court uh, with cases like the one he just described. And you have to keep in mind that we have all the way up until January 20th. If for any reason the Supreme Court dis declares that there was fraud and that, that Biden knew about it, or that there was fraud that benefited Biden, he's disqualified. So Biden gets to be, uh, the Biden-Harris ticket is completely disqualified. So there's, there's an avenue for victory there. And I think we heard, heard about that in that long clip I played yesterday about Trump's multiple paths to victory. But in cases like this, where the, if the Supreme Court hears a case and realizes, uh, yeah, they're disqualified at least from that state, and Trump would gain those electorates. Now, there's there's really good cases in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania being probably the best case. And it's surprising that Alito didn't hear that case. It's a little surprising that uh, the Supreme Court didn't hear the Texas case because of standing. But uh, they have several cases from Georgia. Now, there's a lot of fraud in Georgia. Uh, there's an audit going on in uh, address verification audit going on in Cobb County, Georgia. There is uh, in a, a forensic inspection of the Dominion machines in Maricopa County where they had a lot of errors. And again, where where there are errors, 
there is adjudication. And we're going to go ahead and take a listen to something here. It's a, there's a, well, okay. There's also the John Ratcliffe thing we're going to get to. That's not quite as related right this moment as it's going to be here in, in, in a moment. We're going to continue to, to stay on the uh, Ron Johnson, Senator Johnson's uh, committee hearing. But uh, I, want to, I want to talk about first the uh, adjudication process, okay? Because this is pretty mind-blowing in and of itself. And I have a clip for this. And um, so what we're going to do is we're going to play this uh, clip, if I could find it, and let's see. No. Oh, here it is. Okay. So there's a clip. And this has been played before. This has been around for a couple of weeks. This was an adjudicator in Georgia. But this is the kind of thing that was happening in Maricopa County. This is the kind of thing that was happening in An- Anvin, Anvil, Antrim, Antrim, Michigan. This is the kind of thing that's been happening in a lot of different places where there was lots of errors. Clark County, Nevada. There's lots of errors in Clark County. They're going to go through a audit there. They're probably going to find the same anomalies and same problems as in Antrim. Now, Antrim's a smaller county. They were able to get through it pretty quick, uh, but it wasn't enough to oversway Michigan. Michigan, though, used that same algorithm throughout the, the, the state. So there may be a a need for a statewide audit in Michigan because where where there's a problem over here there's more than likely a problem over there if you're using the same methods and sources and, and machines and algorithms so you got that but then Clark County right now is doing the same thing as Antrim and Maricopa County is doing the same thing as Antrim basically looking at the high error rate and then Realizing that the adjudicators were not, no different than this. Take a listen. This is an adjudicator explaining her work and how she adjudicates a ballot that produces an error. Wait just a minute. I want to go and um, I think I want to vote for Jason Shaw. They didn't vote that ballot while ago. There wasn't nothing there. Let me, yeah, I think we need to vote for him. And I'm going to complete it. Confirm, ballot, save, move to next ballot. Okay. So it pulls up the next ballot that needs to be adjudicated. So you made a vote for someone where someone did not vote. I did, didn't I? And you're the election supervisor? I'm the election supervisor. I am the person that sits and does the adjudication. Yes, sir. Go back to the Trump and Biden race and decide since both are marked, you just count one of them and not count the other. Let's see. Yep, sure can. (laughs) (laughs) I think I want to vote for Biden. Let's let Biden win this one. So what you put supersedes whatever. Uh But I decided this this Al he don't deserve no. So, so what you just heard there is when both candidates were filled out, Biden and Trump, she, she could uncheck, even though it was penned in, because it's on a computer screen now, she can uncheck Trump and check Biden. Uh, if someone were to uh, just send a blank through, she could check Biden. If it's a blank 
she could check Biden. Votes. Let's not let nobody vote for that. And complete. Okay. Well, here's another one. I don't think any votes need to vote on this ballot. I don't. I think this really needs to be just a blank ballot. Complete. So you could you you could even lighten the load on the ballots if there's too many ballots, and you're running out of registered voters. You know, there's a, a case there. We've been talking for a long time about the use of uh, the, you know the back in the day when the the census was removing the uh, checkbox for citizen, and then there was just all these heads, and we referred to them like cattle. And we say, okay, if you have heads of cattle, what, one thing you need is you need a herd of cattle to brand, to ID. And once you give that piece, the head of cattle an ID, and we'll call these heads of cattle illegal immigrants coming through Tijuana into California. And California has probably the biggest population of illegals. And uh, Texas might have a lot, too. But Texas is run by a conservative, Gavin Newsom, who actually is on the cutting block right now. They're talking about impeaching Gavin Newsom in a real way. Uh, we'll see what happens there. He's he's actually exceeded, you know, his draconian measures to the nth degree to the point where uh, he might have to go. So it'll be interesting to see what plays out in California. You also have Paul Preston's New California uh situation going on there so it's it's actually very interesting um oh so uh we are going to have a guest on too we have a lot of different moving parts here and um i'm going to let uh gr mobley um it, uh, know what the number is and he'll be calling in shortly and um he is, uh, we, we, we talked yesterday, he's a constitutional scholar. We're going to talk about a lot of this as well. So we've been talking about that heads of cattle, giving them an ID. And that's one of the things that they were doing. In Chicago, they called it the city key. Uh, the, in in uh, New York, they were talking about um, IDs for illegals, health care for illegals, processing for illegals, all kinds of stuff. And the idea there is you could take that ID and basically systematically steal that identity and move that identity to a battleground state. And that person who's illegal would never even know that their identity was stolen and that they somehow appear to be living in Georgia where they can get a ballot and then Stacey Abrams can harvest that ballot. You know, and that's what they were doing. They were doing ballot harvesting. There was a lot of anomalies, too, that we learned yesterday in the committee hearing where ballots were being uh, thrown into big t- in Wisconsin, where they had laws against this, thrown into big bins. And, um, and uh, thrown into big bins, which was illegal, no chain of custody there, and they had those problems. So they had those problems where uh, they were in violation of law. But how do you police it when they take those ballots and mix them into the big well? They basically polluted the well with faulty ballots. So, and if there's no surveillance, you're not going to know how many ballots there were 
but you can estimate. And they have estimates. But what's interesting about that is we've been talking about that since the census question. And we knew that what they were going to do was, you know, basically creating, we found out that there was, uh, just in the testimony you heard from the attorney, that ballots were being sent to commercial uh, uh, addresses. Like I said, there could be a warehouse with an address and the post office sends all the ballots to this warehouse. A bunch of Democrat workers process them and fill them out just for Biden and send them in to a Dropbox or wherever it is. No ID required. In Wisconsin also, you got that situation where you have the indefinitely confined 215,000 voters there. So they're claiming that they're indefinitely confined because of COVID, a pandemic. Well, the Supreme Court just recently ruled pandemics can't deem you indefinitely confined. You're going to have to, you're not eligible for an absentee ballot, uh, especially the one that requires that, you, that where there's no requirement for you to produce an ID. And you're going to find that there's probably more than likely plenty of people that weren't even registered, but there was a ballot, a loose ballot. Like those reports when people were receiving two and three and four ballots, uh, those ballots were sent out all over the place. There was ballots galore. The easiest thing you can get your hands on was a ballot that a Democrat could fill out and just pull the name off the rolls. And in several cases, especially in Pennsylvania where there was provisionals, people thought that, that they were going to go in the day of and vote only to be told that they've already voted uh, because their ballot must have been misused. And again, like they say, every bad ballot uh, nullifies a honest, uh, trustworthy ballot. Let's take a listen to uh, this interview on One America News Network. What does that mean for the Trump campaign? Uh, you're s suggesting that there is still a path for victory for Trump. There are still other cases. I mean, you've had so many patriots getting involved and throwing their hat in the ring. I mean, the Texas lawsuit, which I thought was brilliantly crafted and brilliantly written, wasn't the be-all, end-all. Uh, it really came out of nowhere, and it really was a strong constitutional argument, but that doesn't mean that there aren't still other cases um, that are making their way through the courts. There's one in Wisconsin. There's other cases in Georgia and Pennsylvania. And we still also have brave patriots in the Congress, like Mo Brooks, um, challenging this fraud, because that's what it is. You cannot allow people to break the law on camera with impunity and, and think that they can get away with this. We are a nation of laws, not men. And it's very important that we uphold this here, uh, true and fair and accurate results, because if no one believes in it, uh, you will never have a fair and honest election in this country again. If they can brazenly pull out ballots out of suitcases under tables in the middle of the night and get away with that, that what else won't they do? And we've shown really all this evidence that is so widespread. It's so systemic. It's so overwhelming. Um, the American public are not going to accept if we don't get to the bottom of it and don't really hold people accountable for really the most grievous crime you could do in this country, which is stealing people's votes away from, from legally cast votes. I mean, too many patriots have died for this country and the freedoms we have to allow that to happen and so brazen and so in your face. We, we can't allow that to stand. 
And we can't. We have to fight, and we have to fight on, and we have to realize that our guy won, that their guy cheated, and cheaters should never win. And winners never cheat. And Trump didn't cheat. So we're going to fight on. And we have all the way up until the January the 20th before, you know, before we have to give it up. And we're not giving it up because if a court deems that there was fraud and all that needs to happen is a case needs to be heard in a court somewhere along the way where they get a meaningful, they get the same kind of treatment that some of the Republican legislatures at the state level have given them. Uh, where they got to make their case over the course of seven hours and state their case every time they've done that, whether it's Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, wherever, they were, they were, they were persuaded to actually do the right thing. And I believe the courts will too. And uh, that's why we have um, G.R. Mobley reclaiming the republic. Uh, he is on. He has a great show live on Red State Talk Radio. But G.R. Mobley uh, and I were talking yesterday. He's a constitutional scholar. And we were talking about all the paths to victory and, and the different scenarios that are happening right now. So, G.R., welcome to the Scott Adams Show. And um, I would, I'm looking forward to this conversation about talking about the Constitution. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're in a crisis right now. And we're in uncharted territory to a certain degree. Uh, very rare that this kind of thing is happening. At, and at the level that it's happening, I think it's unprecedented. Right. <clears throat> so there's voter fraud, which is a real systemic problem. But in this particular election, we actually have a um, almost a, a republic-wide election fraud. I haven't sent it to you yet, but I just got it late last night, and when we're done here, I will get it to you. We have a petition, a First Amendment petition. Let me explain what one of these things is. A First Amendment petition is where a U.S. citizen petitions their government for a redress of grievances, and it's a constitutional right, and government, regardless of what level you petition, they have an obligation to reasonably respond to redressing your grievances and provide a solution. Now, these First Amendment petitions are going out to every state. I've, I've emailed them to a couple of state legislatures, and, <clears throat> and we're actually using the National Liberty Alliance as the, uh, the key point because we need somebody with boots on the ground in every state to try to coordinate because we're looking to get a couple of million signatures by January 5th. And I think it can be done because I think there's enough people that are really upset. But what this is doing is it's identifying how election fraud was applied to this election. There were 31 states. So let me back up. The Constitution dictates that only state legislators have the authority in choosing the manner of choosing our electors or voting for our electors. In other words, if there's going to be a change in how the election is to be done, it can only be done, per the Constitution, by our state legislators. Well, because this draconian COVID lockdown occurred, there were 31 states, and this is all documented in this 18-page petition, that 31 states' governors or judicial or judges, judiciary judges at the state level, 
basically disregarded the Constitution, and they, instead of calling the legislators in to fix the process, they just said, we're going to do it ourselves. And in so doing, they actually committed election fraud. They violated the Constitution in two ways. In the choosing the manner of the electors, which is Article 2, and then they also violated Article 4, the Republican form of government, because we're guaranteed a government that is based on the rule of law, not based on fiat dic uh, uh, declarations and so forth. And so <clears throat> these petitions need to be signed. So as they get out and they get signed, what we want people to do is send them to Congress. And the intent is that we, we create the overwhelming case that this is this is an election that was done in election fraud and it must be challenged and discarded the electors ballots must be challenged and discarded because it was done in election fraud and it ties congress's hands to actually choose the president this is historic because this has never been done to this degree and so what we're what we believe will happen because we already know that there's a few people that have come up and said, well, I'm going to, like Rand Paul, I think he says he's going to do that. But that's not good and enough. And Ron Johnson. Every, go ahead. And Ron Johnson. Rand Paul and Ron Johnson uh, both right, but, uh, have <clears throat> talked about the idea. And so Mitch McConnell, you know, is trying to say, you know, man, let's not do that. But he's taken a lot of heat. There's a lot of exposure with these Chinese relationships with Elaine Chow, his wife, and, and, and Mitch. But um, I think he, he opened the can of worms there. But the idea is is you, you have Mo Brooks in the House and you have uh, Ram Paul and Ron Johnson in the Senate. Uh, and if this thing goes the way we think it could go, if they just stand up and fight and they object uh, now that we have the benefit of the seven states that have actually put dual, you know set up dueling, um, uh, dueling uh, electors, uh, this mm -hmm. presents a, an opportunity for people to stand up and give them some leverage and fight uh, by objecting. And then maybe you can also help us get into that process of what will happen. Uh, why it's why is it why is it important with these seven states and their electors? And now we have dueling electors that have been submitted and certified and submitted to Congress. Why is that important? And how could this play out? Well, so there's the path of why it's important, because if you go down the path of accepting one of the two from the seven states, you're still stepping into election fraud. Like I said, there are 31 states, 31 states with 401 electors that have been done in fraud, have been done in a violation of the Constitution. So this, the majority of the votes, if you look at the Electoral College, 401 is well over 50% of the Electoral College. 270, I believe, is the, the, the need to win. So there's so much of this election that has been done unconstitutionally in election fraud that Congress, not just Rand Paul, not just a couple of people, we're, we're basically adding a cover letter that says, you take an oath of office to support the Constitution. 
if you do not support this Constitution, then we will hold you to the fact that you have violated your oath of office, and we will deal with you as appropriate. And then we'll be pointing to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that basically says any, any public servant that is in office under an oath of office and they fail to support the Constitution and actually support, if they move forward in accepting these elector ballots, then they violated their oath. And per the Constitution, they need to be removed. Let me ask you another question. Very, let, so, me, let me just finish this okay. point. If, if they don't do this, the state legislators will be able to move forward in removing every single one of these people that don't support it. Now, uh, the state governors and secretaries of state have seemed like they've uh, abused and tried to benefit from executive orders uh, due to the state of emergency. To what level is the state of emergency that, say, Gavin Newsom or or Tom Wolf from Pennsylvania, or a lot of these different governors have, uh, Andrew Cuomo, have you, you abused. I don't want to say even you, they've used and abused uh, what, what, the, the privilege of an emergency, state of emergency act, where they could pretty much do anything they want. There's got to be limits to what they can actually do, right? Well, so... Yes, and there is a hard limit of what they can't do. And so the 14th Amendment, Section 1, basically states no state can make or create any law. So it's an ultimate line in the sand. No state can make or, or, or enforce any law that abridges the individual privileges and immunities of a U.S. citizen. What that means, it's guaranteed by the Constitution, what that means is that they can't make a law that suspends your right for religious expression and going to worship. But they can't doing make that. a law and enforce GR. a law that says you can't peaceably assemble. These are your constitutional but rights. But GR, they've been doing the that. What's that? They've been doing that. No, I, absolutely, and they're violating the Constitution. So I, what, what can we do to stop it? Well, so <laughs> they have to be dragged in to either court or we have to get the people to basically say, because Section 3 is the slam dunk of the 14th Amendment. When people point out that you violated your oath of office and committed rebellion, that's the language in the 14th Amendment, you've committed rebellion against the Constitution, you are no longer qualified to serve, and you're supposed... The Section 3 calls for them to be banned for life from public service. I mean, their career in, polit so, in politics is over. I should tell the audience, you're out in, DC, you're out in Washington State, and your correct. governor's Governor Inslee. He's in violation yes. of that probably, more than likely. But uh, Gavin Newsom, from what I understand, I've been hearing a lot of stuff lately that suggests right. that he's in big trouble for the things that he has done. Right. And they, they've been losing every time people go up into court. And we have a petition that we did back in September on Governor Inslee. And what we tried to do, and this is really sad, we, we engaged with the, the state Republicans and said, here is it, because we're a top two state, if you understand what that means. Whoever is the top two out of the primary election goes on the ballot. And so if there would have been two governors that would have been the top two, or two Democratic governor, um, 
candidates, then they, it would have only been Democrats on. But the way the primary went, there was no challenge to Inslee, and so the top, the other top two were Republicans. We presented this to the Republican Party and said, look, <clears throat> wouldn't it be better to have just two Republicans? If you guys make this go viral, we can get Inslee removed and off the ballot. In September, we had some time to do this, and nobody wanted to lift a finger because the Republican Party and the establishment Republican Party does not embrace enforcing the Constitution. Hmm. And this this has been a brick wall we've ran into, and we're trying to teach the people. But right. you know, if you don't hold them accountable, and you don't go into the Republican Party and say, if you're not going to support the Constitution, then I'm out of here. Right. Now that's we, what we have to do. We have just a couple of minutes, but because um, I still have some uh, audio clips and things I have to play for uh, that are part of the show, but I, I, I want to have like two more minutes with you. Um, but uh, tell us the path forward. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of people talking about Pence's involvement and the objections, and the question. One question I have, and I don't know if you know the the answer to this question, but. Um, Okay, so the way I understand it, the the um, the dueling the dueling sets of um, electors. Uh, there's a joint session of Congress. It's the House of Representatives and the Senate. Right. Pence oversees everything, right? And so he's doing what he did, just like Gore did in 2000. Gore oversaw everything, and he did a pretty good job, actually, um, in a lot of ways. But at at some point, Mo Brooks, Rand Paul, Ron Johnson, and some of Mo Brooks's uh, posse—I uh, don't know all the names—but um, they are um, going to object. Let's just say that they object. They object. Right. They break up into two chambers. They go back to their chambers. They negotiate. Yep. They 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 argue, uh, and they try to figure out if they can get a resolution. They can't. So there, you know, there's lines in the sand. Those seven states haven't been resolved. Therefore, um, it it goes back into session. And at that point, Pence gets the final say. Now, tell me if I'm right or wrong, but Pence gets the final say on whether or not those delegates get allegated. And he could just basically say these are not going to be allegated. These have not been settled. He can't just go rogue and say we're going to give it to the Republicans, Kenny. Or no, Kenny. but what they what 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 happens? Because what they what they have to do is they have to actually discard the electoral college, which means then the the choosing of the president then goes to Congress, and there's a process for that. Now. I actually just downloaded yesterday all of the congressional debates over the 12th Amendment. I haven't read them yet, but some people have asserted that the process would be this, that the Senate would go into chambers and the House would go into chambers, and they would vote. Now, in the House, it is, it is claimed that the House will be done by delegates and that the state will only have one vote out of their delegate, because each state will have its own delegation. The... Senate, each senator gets one vote. So what will happen is if the, in January 6th, if the Senate is equal, because right now there are 50 Republicans and 48, and I think that 
uh, Georgia will be resolved, I believe, just before this. So depending on how that lands, it'll either be 50-50 or 49-51 or 48-52. So then the Senate will vote, and we will see how that goes. But if it goes down to a tiebreaker, then Pence will be able to cast his vote. So right now, even if Georgia were to go to uh, Ossoff, and Warnoff, it would be, right. it would be, uh, uh, they would still need the vice president, which would be Pence, and he would break the tie for Trump. In correct in the Senate, but in the in the House, there are thirty delegations that are Republican. In other words, thirty states are basically right. Republican. Right. Yeah. If they vote party line, then it doesn't really matter what happens in the House. There will be ten extra votes for Trump in the House that. The, I, I can't see how the Democrats will overcome. No, so so what you're saying is if the, they break off into the two chambers, now is there any yep. scenario where the governors of each state get involved? No. As okay. a matter of fact, gover- governors have no role in the choosing of the president at all. Great. Not- no, I had a friend ask me about that, and I said, no, I don't believe that's the way. I, I told her I don't believe that's the way it goes. So so the idea is is that... Uh, it's it was the question I had was when they break off into the two chambers. I understand, right. and, and so then when they break off, they won't have resolution. Mo Brooks isn't giving in. Rand Paul's already uh, come out very clear and uh, has said that fraud happened, and uh, unless it's resolved, I'm going to eject. And Rand Paul's a very independent-minded person, um, right. and so. Uh, I think then this goes back to the chamber with these objections. And at some point, uh, does it end up where if Pence rejects the dele- uh, the electors, uh, that means that Biden doesn't get to 270 and then the House weighs in on the delegations? Is that so, how? So Pence will have to reject the the electoral college. He has to reject it. Because it's all been all been done fraudulently with election, yeah. so you know the difference between election fraud and voter fraud. Let's election why don't you, why don't you tell our audience. Where, so election fraud is where the government, the counters, the those who are controlling the election have violated the law. Voter fraud is where the people that are voting has violated the law by voting once mm-hmm. or, you know, not technically being able to be a registered voter and voting and those types of things. Um, we, we have a systemic problem, though, and this is what we're fixing is the outcome of a, of a single election. This will not fix the future elections. What has to happen, and so I'm following up this First Amendment petition. Like I said, I'll send it to you as soon as we're done here. Um, What has to happen is every state, every red state, must go through and fully audit their election. And when I say audit, they need to verify that everybody that's a registered voter in that state is a legitimate registered voter. Yeah, of course. What's California, and there's a whole list, it's like <clears throat> almost 20 states that are giving illegals driver's licenses when they go to the DMV, mm-hmm. and guess what else, what else happens when you get a they driver's get license? Vote. They register you to vote. Right. And so there's lots of illegals that have been registered to vote. Montana, I believe, found 4,000 some odd illegals in, you know, just in the election itself. Wow. And so... What we want to do is have them actually ferret through so that they can well, disclose out of their states 
how bad it's been. Kobach, and to say, Kobach know, tried to do and, that. And, and you know, he was, was Kobach tried to do that in the very first year of President Trump's term. He put together a uh, election integrity cam, cam, uh, committee and every state. Uh, was just they they clutched to their roles and and they they were uh, breaking out lawsuits left and right and we barely got anywhere and that's why President Trump then transferred the authorities over to the DHS thinking they'd have more leverage there um, and it's just been a constant battle where these states know they're right. committing fraud. And they don't want to produce any records related to their voter rolls. They want to control them themselves. And it's just been a nightmare. Well, so the state legislators have kind of abjugated their responsibility to the bureaucracy or what I would call the deep state in the state. Yeah. And so they actually need to step in and say, hook or crook, we're going to determine, you know, every single vote, whether it's a valid registration and whether it's a valid vote. It would have have helped if we had a citizenship question on the census, but, you know, it's me. Well, so actually... <clears throat> you do know that the 14th Amendment, Section 2, actually limits the uh, um, the apportionment. They're not even supposed to be... A- illegal aliens cannot vote, period. That is the law of the land. And the apportionment, just so you understand this, since 1980, Carter's the one that actually violated the Constitution and started counting illegals. California has, I believe, 11 more representatives than they're supposed to have based on their count of illegals Mm -hmm. in California. Mm -hmm. There's a total of like 29 representatives throughout the the United States that have been misappropriated because of illegals in Illinois, New Jersey, and many other states. Every one of them is a Democrat, more than likely. Uh, <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Almost all of these are Democratic states. And if you, I can send you the article where they break it down, where those states, Ohio would get three yeah, more actually, representatives. Um, please send that to me. But, GR, yeah, if, uh, and we are going to have to go because I have to play a clip before we break out. But um, go ahead and finish your last thought, and then we have to run. Well, so... The, the state legislators, if we can get them to actually do a full audit, demanding a full accountability of the election and determining both the election fraud and the, and the level of election fraud as well as voter fraud, then I think we can start really peeling the onion and demand that the, uh, the blue states, right. the Democratic states, right. get forced to do this too because that's the only way we're going to really fix our future elections. All right, so tell us how we can get a hold of you. Uh, reclaimingtherepublic.org. I've got my email there, and actually, I, I think we even have our phone number for comments and so forth up there as well. Well, GR, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. You are the scholar when it comes to all things constitutional. You're one of the smartest people I know. And uh, thank you. All right. Thank you for no hanging problem. out with us. No problem. As a matter of fact, I'm going to send you this so you can let your, your listeners know that you have this petition so that they can either get it from Red State Talk Radio or whatever domain you want to put it on. Okay. All right. Thank you, All right. GR. You All bet. Right. God Bye-bye. bless. All right. That's GR Mobley. He has a show live at 6, 6 p.m., I believe. Um, in any case, uh, I wanted to um, get to this clip, if I can. I'm desperately running out of time. A lot of the laws that have to be confirmed and I think reaffirmed are state laws, so it's not in our purview. 
But the state laws are set, and then we have federal elections. So what we've heard about what happened in Wisconsin, what happened in Nevada, I think is absolutely true, and we have to prevent it from happening again. I think state legislators legislatures will need to reaffirm that election law can only be chained by a state legislature. So I think there's a lot of work to be done. While we will not dictate it to the states, I think we should have hearings going into the next year, hearing from state legislatures and what they're going to do to make sure election law is upheld, not changed by people who are not legislators. And uh, we do have an interest in that. I don't want it to be federalized. Many on the other side of the aisle would just soon federalize it and mail everybody a ballot and we'll have this universal corruption throughout the land. But what I think we need to do is keep it at the state level. But we can't just say it didn't happen. We can't just say, oh, 4,000 people voted in Nevada that were non-citizens and we're just going to ignore it. We're going to sweep it under the rug and say, oh, the courts have decided the facts. The courts have not decided the facts. The courts never looked at the facts. The courts don't like elections and so they stayed out of it by finding an excuse standing or otherwise to stay out of it. But the fraud happened, the election in many ways was stolen, and the only way it'll be fixed is by in the future reinforcing the laws. A lot of the the part where he says in the future kind of scares me. All right, one final clip that's been going uh, viral, and then uh, we have this thing about Ratcliffe. DNI Ratcliffe's pending report, it's going to blow the mind of every citizen of the country there might not be a Joe Biden administration. Uh, and that's John Ratcliffe. Uh, and uh, that's a very powerful statement. Since we ran out of time uh, to cover that particular angle, uh, we're going to cover that tomorrow. Um, but we want to play this clip as well. Up in my opening statement, that should pride, provide comfort. Uh, right campaign, The DNC, the Steele dossier, the ranking member Peters accusing Senator Grassley and I of disseminating uh, Russian disinformation, that's where the disinformation is coming. That's where the false information, the, the lies, the false allegations. I can't sit by here and listen to this and say that this is, this is not disinformation, this hearing today. This is getting information we have to take a look at to restore confidence in our election integrity. We, we're not going to be able to just move on without bringing up these irregularities, examining them, and providing an explanation and see where there really are problems so we can correct it moving forward. Senator Paul. Mr. Mr. Chairman, i got to respond to that. I mean, you're saying I'm putting out right. spreading disinformation. Nothing could have been further from the truth, and you're spouting it again, which is why I had is to respond. This, oh, Senator Paul. Mr. Chairman. Judge Storm. Judge, Judge Storm. It's been... <laughs> That was uh, fireworks. I, I had to skip through that a little bit because it was a three-minute uh, video uh, audio, and I uh, only had fifty seconds. So <laughs> um, it was very dy- very uh, dynamite. You know, it was very much like fireworks. Um, tomorrow's going to be a really big show too. We're going to get into the back end of this, uh, how a lot of this stuff ties to Russian, the Russian hoax and why it was used. Lee Smith came out with an article today as well. Um, So we're going to talk about all of that tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. Uh, You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com and and check out our podcast and our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe, like, and click the notification bell. And we'll see you next time on the radio. (laughs) 